Here's to the creative ones, the daydreamers and romantics, the dream makers, the risk takers, the fierce movers and the shakers, the mothers busting out of cubicles to make family life more beautiful. They are the happy ones, the gutsy ones who venture to a better future. They are the smarter ones who stop procrastination. They are the brighter ones armed with education. And while you may question their reality, call them pipe dreamers and irresponsible, their inner strength is powerful, which makes their drive unstoppable. And while some may see them as just creative or hopelessly romantic, we see passion. Because the people who are passionate enough to dream they can love their life are the ones who do. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Levjevity. Today, I am Richard Hallmark, and we are speaking with the incredible, the incomparable, iconic, legendary, Nikki Harris, darling. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for calling. Oh my this God. Is how, this is how we live now, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> for a brief Jeez. time. For a brief time. For a brief time. This is catch up I time. I it's going to be a little bit longer than we think. I think it's going to be a little bit longer. And I think we ought to, you know, be really, really grateful for the times that we did get to touch each other. You know? Right, right. Many more to come, though, soon, hopefully. For Many sure. So let's just jump right on into this because I am ready to start asking questions. And, you know, we've been friends for some time and I, I, you know, I look at you as my friend. I really don't dive into your career and and ask you some of these questions because you're my friend, Nikki. You're not, you know, recording artists. And I don't think, I don't think of my career as as who I am. It's kind of one of the things I do. So I'm really excited to start asking you questions today. So let's just jump right into this. When did you start singing? Ooh, that's hard. I'm a black girl from the hood. We all sing. Um, we sing because we're happy. We sing to keep happy. You know, I sing because I'm free. You know, his eye is on the sparrow. That's how I started singing. You know, I started singing like any other black girl from Michigan. You know, mama took me to the church. Actually, my godmother took me to the church. And before I knew it, you know, I was singing. I got four sisters. You know, all of us sang together. I was the okay singer. I was really more of the comic in the family. I'm the youngest of four girls and two boys. Mm-hmm. And I was the one who, you know, I love to sing. Actually, my eldest sister sang the best. She passed away of cancer, of cancer at 36, but mm-hmm. she was Aretha. She was Minnie Ripperton, Aretha, 510, gorgeous. I was the funny one who was the dancer. I, I danced and I was a hardcore cheerleader, gymnast. And I actually went to college to be a history teacher. I had no idea I was going to be a singer, but my dad was a Grammy award winning jazz pianist. And when I went to college in California, all these musicians were like, you're Gene Harris's daughter. Do you sing? And I was like, well, I'm not really a singer, but I can sing if you need me to. And before I knew it, I started getting asked to do gigs on, on the campus. So it was like Patrice Russian, you know, sending you forget me nots. I'm into Never it. to remember. You know, yeah. I know. Come on now. Yeah. And uh, she was one of my first. Then Michael Cimbello came. She's a maniac, maniac on the floor. So did that right with, with him. And then David Sanborn led me into more of my jazz stuff, like uh, the Jazz Crusaders. 
And I just started working. And before I knew it, like by my, my third year in college, I was just getting so much work musically um, that I had to make a choice, you know, of what I was going to do. So I did one um, like semester of student teaching in Long Beach, California, in junior high, Franklin Junior High, child, I'll never forget it. And I was just there to help in the history class. And I walked up in there, and this is when Long Beach was starting to change. It was starting to turn into this Snoop Dogg, you know, Inglewoody kind of, not, not even Inglewood, sorry, Compton, more Compton. And it was just like kids who were bigger than me. It was a boom, 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 all down the hallway. And I was just like, hi, let's talk about you know, the other Re American Revolution. And they're like, uh, you know, half of them was trying to hit on me. You know, I was mm -hmm. I was 21, you know, um, yeah. and that was just it came to the point where I was like getting called to do recording stuff. And I was like, I think this is what I'm going to be doing. You know, it was like make a lot of money recording or make horrible money teaching stuff that I love. But and doing it in a place that I half these kids, I ain't sure if they're carrying guns, you know, if they packing. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. I was like, it was it wasn't a tough choice. Nice. So when did you, from there, when did you actually, um, because um, what was your big break? Oh, I would say this to everybody. Don't ever answer that question. Every time you breathe in, that's your big break. Because it's always an opportunity. It's when always was, an opportunity. Okay, let's just rephrase that. When was your opportunity that you took that you felt really was going to change your life into a whole nother direction? So many, you know, so there's been so many times. What was the um, first one? What was the first one? Well, one of the first was, you know, I was 19 working for the Righteous Brothers. You never close your eyes. And mm -hmm. all I had to do was, baby. That was pretty much my gig. Mm -hmm. I sang baby, you know, or <laughs> love lift us up where we belong. You know, I had to sing that with him and it just turned into one gig after another. And actually the Righteous Brothers, Bill Medley and Bobby Hatfield bought me my first car. They were like, if you stay in college, we will make sure that you, and you do your homework. You can always have a gig with us. And they were working all the Vegas gigs and all the like, you know, amusement parks and stuff. So mm -hmm. I got to be able, and then they were opening this branch of, of restaurants called The Hop. So it was like 50s and 60s and 70s artists that would come do shows and I would be singing with them, but I could do my homework in the back in the back room. And basically that was probably one of my big breaks. You know, another big break was Anita Baker. Anita Baker was amazing for me. You know, I was actually working for the Righteous Brothers when I got the call for Madonna. I was in Vegas. You know, Freddie Demand heard that I sang, danced and could could learn stuff like on the spot. They flew me from the Righteous Brothers gig to LA. Bobby Lyle, who was the musical conductor for Anita Baker, picked me up mm. from the airport and told me, you gotta go get this gig. And I'm like, I'm like, who is she? Like, why does she want me? And they're like, they know you sing, they know you dance, you gotta, and I'm like, I got a gig. And basically I got there and I said, look, there was like 200 girls. And I was like, let me go first, because. I need to get back on this plane because I don't know who this child is. I don't know what's going on. And before I knew it, I was in the back, in the car, in the backseat with Madonna. And she was like, you have the gig. You got, you know, five days to learn 17 songs. 
17 wow. dance routines because she was going, I was basically replacing a girl who had, who had, you know, messed up and she needed somebody who could learn stuff really fast, do all the dance parts, learn how to move on a stage, you know, and, and I had to fit the costumes. So mm. it just worked out. It worked out. And and, what year was that? That was 1987. Wow. Which, which album was that or tour? It was the tour. It was the tour. Was who's that girl? It was right after. It was the oh. first time she ever used background singers. She before that she had used. She had done one tour. It was um, but she only had like a drummer, a bass player, and like this is back when Christopher, her brother, was still dancing for her from Lucky Star. Mm. But she had never done a a big big. This is her first big 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 tour. Um. So and. You know, then that be, kind of became my life because that was also in the 80s, back when people were putting people on retainer and saying, you know, okay, you worked for me. And they, they made it worth your fabulous. while. Which was fabulous. <laughs> well, it was definitely fabulous. It, 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 you know, it's all how you look at it. it yeah. You know, and for me, me, music at that point was still just a job. You know, it was still a place where um, get the gig, do the work and go home and still do your own life kind of thing. Yes. Um, and I'd never, I guess because I grew up in the church with my, you know, mom and my godmother and my sisters, I didn't, and my father was a jazz musician. We never talked about pop stardom or, you know, getting on the covers of magazines and fashion for me was, you know, like jazz. It was like jazz, right. you know, it was, it was Miles Day. It was a beautiful suit. It was like women who, you know, still got asked to dance, you know, yeah. a woman with a, you know, a Manhattan in her hand, you know, a martini. That was fashion for me. I didn't know any of the stuff that obviously now you and I both know, but, you know, great designers, you know, I just knew, honey, cinch the waist, keep the cheekbones lovely. That was pretty much my end of fashion and a good shoe. I mean, you, you were such I mean, you had such a great part and such a wonderful part of history with this woman in her career, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I got really lucky. I mean, I remember, I mean, I remember honestly going to stand in line at, at Tower Records. I think it was either Bass Tickets or Ticketmaster, getting my Blonde Ambition Madonna ticket and going to the show. And I remember you and Donna coming out when she came down from the stairs at Oakland. I went and saw your show and... <clears throat> I mean, you all, you, Donna, Madonna, all the dancers, you were breathtaking. I mean, Thank the wardrobe, the lighting, the staging. I mean, it was just nothing but perfection. And, um, and with Sorry, that- Sorry, we, we got a call in there. Sorry. It's okay. But with that being said, how was that for your life doing that, like Blonde Ambition? Because I mean, I know from the audience perspective and you were also in um, the movie. Yes, I have it right here. Truth or Dare. Iconic, honey. Iconic. Iconic. But, you know. I'm, I, I'm definitely I, in the history books. I, I look at that, though, and I go, what an incredible ride. I mean, what an incredible journey you've had. Well, you know what? It's really interesting that you say that because I have a daughter who still doesn't think her mom's very cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got a teenage daughter who doesn't think her mom knows anything and, you know, hasn't been anywhere. And the good news is that I feel lucky that I got to do all of that ride in a time where there was no social media. I wasn't on, none, none, of our, none of us were on the phone all the time. It wasn't like I was with Madonna. We were like, click in, you know, like, see me, I'm with Madonna. You know, none of that was going on. We, were, we got to really be present and be in it. Yeah. And it was not about, I mean, not until like the very, I mean, and by then I was in my 40s. 
one of my final tours with her was when I knew, like for me, the, the, the pendulum had shifted to another place that I just wasn't really comfortable with. It what was, was my last, my last tour with her was in 2001. Um, and that was uh, Drown World. That was oh, after was we did one? <laughs> music, yeah. people come together, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the last time she really did a real funky song. Anyway, I'm just saying, hey, Mr. DJ, put a record on. She, 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 still had a, she still had all this influence. Anyway, but that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> but the reality is like, I just felt like we were still really present. And all I can say is I'm grateful because there are not many musicians who can really say, look, I got to do that ride, except for people who like work with Elvis you know, or work with, you know, Michael Jackson for a long period of time. Whereas I started in my twenties and I ended in my forties. That's a long, that's like working for a company, you know, that's a corporation mm -hmm. and, and watching it turn into a corporation, right. you know, not just working for an artist, you're watching it turn into a corporation. Whereas you see, you start to see people and you have the, you know, influence of now social media mm -hmm. and people, you know, coming into gigs, with managers and people coming in with their own, you know, like, mm. I mean, we came in a simple, you know, I was just, like I said, I got off a plane. I went, I sang for her. I had a little, you know, my little flash dance, little shirt on. We, you know, people come in now and it's just like, you know, they, they, the dancers have hair and makeup people, <laughs> you know, mm. they come in and they're, there's so much more attention to branding and all this kind of thing that I don't think that pressure was on us so much. It was more about really, creating a beautiful work of art, mm -hmm. you know, where it's not about like, you know, like, um, cause let's be real Vogue MTV music awards is legendary, legendary. Thank you, Vince <laughs> Patterson. Thank you. Jose I mean, and Lewis. I mean, yeah. wow. You know, and people are still, people are still, you know, imitating it to this day. Oh, even, even express yourself MTV music awards. Iconic. All, you know? all of that's back now. This is 2020. Come on, the, the wide leg suit, all that stuff's back again. All this is all back again. We mm -hmm. was doing this on holiday back in the day, you know. Mm -hmm. All that look is back again. And mm -hmm. it just comes to show you, it, it proves to me that even with social media, when people aren't reading and knowing history, they don't even understand, they don't even understand that they are actually just repeating. They're right. just repeating stuff. So it's, it, it would behoove us as artists to really, and maybe this is where my history stuff comes back in, read, learn about what's really going on in the world so you can see, oh, yeah, this also, this happened back in the 60s or that look was, I mean, even this, mm -hmm. you know, the Afro, come mm -hmm. on, this, this is how it was supposed to be before weaves and the lashes and, the, you know, it's like, no, people was rocking this a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think... There's something to be said about learning to be still enough to hear your own voice, your own artistic voice. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the best gift I can give to my daughter is to, for her to find something that she truly, truly loves and not let this social, I mean, thank God for podcasts. God bless you. Get the information out. But when it gets to be an addictive quality, and that's what I started feeling about a lot of artists that I know, they were, there was more attention to them putting their their face out on the media than actually supporting the artists they were with. I mean, we were there for Madonna. We were there to help support her. 
and it, and it showed. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, you guys created a platform, you know, around her that just and she did too. She was a genius for recognizing, hey, I need this stuff around me. Absolutely, he was a genius. She knew that that Don and I were polar opposites in the way we we sing. But when you put us together, it's like magic. She right. got that. I mean, even, even bringing. Um, you know, different lifestyles and cultures to the spotlight, how she did so well, you know, and she, she would, sure. and she would bring, she would bring great people from those cultures or those lifestyles and bring them with her to help her, you know, bring it to life, you know? Absolutely. And, I mean, wow. Incredible. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of artists are trying to, you know, figure that out, you know, on some level, but, uh, but the other thing people don't understand about Madonna is that she is a well-read sister. She reads all the time. She writes all the time. This is not just some fly by night, you know, let me see what the next weave or the next shoe is going to be. This is a very, very intelligent woman. Yeah. And not just on the like, they say she's intelligent because she's calculating. She knows how to change her. No, she's an intelligent woman. She's intelligent as a mother. She's intelligent as a business artist. She's intelligent as a human being walking this earth. She's yeah. chosen to, because she's curious. That's right. why she, that's why her shows look the way that she's curious about different stuff and it's not, it's not constant re repetition. Right. Right. It's reinvention. Right. Well, and, and I don't even know if it's necessarily reinvention because I mean, at one, at, on some level we, we all are reinventing. We are, if, if we're any type of artists that do any kind of research, we are all somewhat reinventing. I mean, a ruffle shirt, you can go, Oh, this is my invention. It's like, really? No, you know, there's been ruffles on, on, on wrists before, but it's how you do it. It's how you work it. And, and so I think, the, but the idea that that change is important and not to be feared, that's right. something she let us all stand in, that it's okay, you know, not to be afraid of change. So you were the one also singing on um, Like a Prayer in the church. Screaming, screaming. That was such an incredible song. I remember hearing that on the radio and I was like, who is that singing? Yes. I mean, it was- I'll take you there. Great video. I mean, just a great video, um, great song. I didn't do the video though. No, I no, no. I did not do the video. No, but the video was incredible. The support of the song, you know. Um, so let's the video was tough for The video was tough for me. I mean, you know, burning crosses mean something different to me. Right. So I'm just saying. So let's fast forward. Uh, after, fast forward. After Madonna, then what? Yep. After Madonna, you know, I first of all, I broke my legs. I went over a mountain 150 feet in, on Catalina Island. And luckily enough, I was working for Madonna at that point, And she got me some of the best surgeons ever. Year and a half, seven operations later, um, I learned how to walk again. And then I did the Drown World Tour and I was 41 years old at that point. Mm. And that's when I knew I was done with that part of my career. Um, I always called that last tour my Muhammad Ali tour because have you ever seen Muhammad Ali in those last videos when he's mm -hmm. older and you're like, why the fuck is he still fighting? Like, why is he, you know, like, you're like, no, don't hit. Oh, and that's what I felt like through that whole tour. Just like, Every time we would do those deep knee bends, uh, meals, uh, I was like, oh. my ankles were, you know, she had special shoes made for me. And, you know, it, it, 
I might have been in my 40s, but when you're standing next to a real 20-year-old, you really feel your 40s then. Right. And I just said, you know, th there comes a time as an athlete, you're like, um, time to go next. Um, and, the, in, and, and the universe always works it out for you and gives you what you need. And I got pregnant the next year. So it was time to move on to motherhood. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that was my, my, as far as I'm concerned, because I know me. The black girl from the hood would have been like, I can do this. Give me one more time. Let's do it one more time. But, you know, the higher power was like, no, you're about to be a mother now. Yeah. And this is what you're going to do. And we let you walk again. So. And you have several, you have several um, independent albums, out, solo albums as well, right? Well, I started, what happened was I started working with my father. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, um, all through the Madonna years, I was always doing jazz. So I would go from Giant Stadium and go down to the Blue Note or go down to Lincoln Center to Dizzy's Club, or I would be in LA and I would go from, you know, Staples Center and I'd drive down to, or take the car down to um, uh, Catalina's, the jazz club, and I would play with my dad. Mm -hmm. And so I always knew that I would always be doing jazz with him. And I did his last five records before he passed away. And when he passed away, it just ended up that, you know, promoters started calling me, you know, to, to do jazz on my own. So that's, I've always had a jazz career. So I got really lucky, ended up doing Carnegie Hall with Diane Reeves and, you know, uh, Rita Coolidge and did with, uh, did Royce Hall in LA with Nancy Wilson. And so those, you know, it, it's just, it was a different way of being. So now I get to put on a pretty gown and sing, you know, with beautiful orchestras. And so, yeah, I, I am it. Right. So let's talk about um, the Color Purple show. The Color Purple, you know, in L.A., because I live both L.A. and I live in Augusta, Georgia, so I go back and forth. But mm -hmm. I make, I raised my daughter here in the South. And but in L.A., part of my career was always being available to songwriters who were working on either films. And that's how I pretty much make my living, working on films or working on plays. And I just happened to get a call from Stephen Bray and Allie Willis, God rest her soul, and Brenda Russell. And they were working on this little thing called The Color Purple. And so for two years, I sat in studios with them and just started writing, you know, singing. Every time they'd write a song, I'd sing it for them how I heard it, try to, you know, give them ideas of what I thought the character would sound like. And so now when you look at the soundtrack of The Color Purple, the Color Purple soundtrack, you see a special, special thank you to Nikki Harris for her years of, of creating these voices for us. So that's what I do. I mean, I, you know, did all kinds of stuff for Disney for years, you know, Anastasia, Lion King, just tons of different things like that. It was easy, easy money. And it was a way of, of being creative, but not having to bear the rate or the weight of doing eight shows a night in, in New York mm -hmm. and living in a funky room and I, I, I was I wasn't interested I had already gotten the the gloss the gloss of Los Angeles and <laughs> being by the pool you know right. it, being in a dirty thing just like it didn't it didn't appeal to me so now fast forward again and what could we think or what do we let's say let me just say this again fast forward what's in store for Nikki Harris in the future well at this point, I've got now a 17-year-old. So right now we're talking, I'm really basically teaching civics at home with her <laughs> and trying to get her to understand how, how this world is going is changing as the Supreme Court changes. 
I'm really uh, working hard right now, getting out people to vote. Um, I'm still making music. I'm working on an independent film right now. I'm helping Jennifer do some, uh, Jennifer Hudson that is, do some work on the Aretha project. Uh, uh, just helping her to phrase songs differently. So that's basically, I do a lot of that kind of thing. I do stuff with Mary J. Blige, helping them to learn how to phrase things correctly, if you were. I mean, I did the Grammy, help Mary with the Grammys where she had to do Bridge Over Troubled Water. She had never sung Bridge Over Troubled Water. So just helping, that's, how, that's what I do now more than anything. Um, I'm a mom, I make records. I have my, my last record was Lift Thine Eyes. I try to be an inspiration to admit as many as I can. I do tons of festivals, but at this point due to COVID, a lot of the, that kind of stuff, all those live festivals that I used to do, the Essence Festival, the Blue Note at Siege Festival, you know, the, the International Jazz Festival are all on hold. So basically what I'm really doing right now is being really present for my daughter as the Supreme Court changes and letting her know what she may be up against and getting her and her friends to understand that come next year, you know, or her friends who are about to turn 18, that they've got to vote. That's the most important thing to me right now. I think it's imperative, you know. Um, do you think you'll go back on the road again? I think I have to. I mean, my daughter knows, you know, uh, my, re my retirement plan is I sing until I die. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty much it, babe. That's pretty much what we do. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, I, 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 once again, I go back to, it, you know, it begins, I mean, it ends the way it begins. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free, you know, God's eyes on the sparrow. So I know he watches me. So I'm like, you know, I, I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't sing. So, you know, I I'm, this, um, I saw this, I wanted to show you this. And I know, you know, about this. I found this a couple of days ago in my library. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's one of the, that's a great show. Oh, there were so many great pictures of you in this book. I was great just like, show. I was just like, oh my goodness. It's a great I like, show. Oh, I have to show Nikki I have this. I totally forgot I That's have That's a good one. And I bought I bought yeah. this. I mean, people forget, like, you know, that I did, you know, you know, because her her career has been so big, you know, I mean, but I've worked with so many monumental moments. I mean, so and, many. you know, but 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 I did Whitney's first five records. Those are some pre precious times for me. You know, wow. you know. I got to do the, you know, the you know, BET Awards with Luther. You know, it's like, I work with Mick Jagger. I work with, you know, Marilyn Manson. I work with Chicago. I work, there's a, you know, I work with Snap, you know, in Europe. I, I got a lot of different colors that I've worked with. And I'm so grateful for the Madonna years. But once again, maybe that's why acting was always a real difficult, it, well, it wasn't my number one go-to, let's put it that way, because pigeonholing is not what I want to do. And I could never do the same part over and over and over. I, I always, I've always painted with a lot of colors and I'm going to continue to do so. That's wonderful. It's been such, such a pleasure speaking with you today, finally about Nikki Harris and not about my Have friend. a good time. Yeah. Normally I just call and be like, Nikki, what's up girl? But today about you. The singer. you know I need a new dress, child. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, babe. Thank you. I love you too. And thank you so much for sharing your journey with us.
Thank you. And, and, and it's, you know, it's continuous. We're all on a journey. Don't be afraid of it. Just put one foot in front of the other each day. Because trust me, at this point, I would say vote, 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 walk, walk, walk to the voting booth, whatever you need to do, get there and vote. Because the journey, it, it continues. You know, it continues. And we got to do it for those who go come after us. Yeah. So can, let the journey continue and let them know not to be afraid of their journey as well. That's how you know I'm a mom because I'm trying to remind her every day that, you know, I'm not here to, you know, to make her journey for her. I'm just here to let her know that I'm trying to put flowers down that, that she gets to walk on. Enjoy and enjoy this every step. Nice. I feel like we should end with Oh, you sing, you sing it, baby. You sing it. I'm out here. You come. I was in a restaurant the other day and I heard, I was like, are they playing that because I'm in here? I'm like, you never know. Or I'll be like at CVS or something and I'll hear, like, you know, my baby's got a secret. I'm like, why did this come on? Or you you walk in the store and you all of a sudden you hear, life is a mess. You're like, <laughs> like, really? Or you start seeing the choreography? And you're you're like, I'm just, at, I'm just at Walgreens. I'm just at I Walgreens. I just want to get some toothpaste for God's sake. Yeah. Bye, baby. Have a wonderful week. I'm gonna go make some dinner for my kid. Love you. Bye-bye. Everybody, Love be you. safe.